Look at this background behind Aaron. It's so pristine. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, that's California. It's the Airbnb. Like the Airbnb. Airbnb. I, uh, yeah, I'm in an Airbnb until I, I my lease starts at my apartment on the 23rd. Ah, I am okay. In an Airbnb until then. So gotcha. week and a half, less than a week and a half. Week and a day and a half. That's a nice little little greenery behind you. Is apparently they don't have fall in Northern California. I love it. It is sixty four degrees outside, and that is what it's been every single day since I have gotten here. That's pretty good. I do not particularly miss seasons. I don't think I would either, because <laughs> it is between fifty five and sixty five every single day the entire year, and it never snows. Never really ever gets below freezing. Never gets too hot. Never gets too cold. It's Goldilocks. Just rub it in, why don't you? <laughs> like David. it's a full pod. It is I mean, a full you can pod. Come out here too, if you want. <laughs> David, married man. I'm a man. I got I got the bling. Proven. Mr. David Rivero has a good ring to it. I know, right? I the last name. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's good though. I feel like this is this is the first weekend that I can like sit down and just like exist since the wedding because you know we had the wedding and then we had the honeymoon the week after up until Sunday and then last week I had my music educators conference in Winston Salem so I was there from Saturday to Monday so like. I have not had a weekend to just like decompress or sit <laughs> or sleep. Dude, I love your wedding band. Now, this pot is now, I, w- I don't want to say majority because it's 50-50, but 50-50 married to single. Oh, that's <laughs> weird. David, I love your wedding band. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. It, it's now gotten to the point where it feels weird like not having it on now like i don't know if you get to that point where like i'll fit i fidget with it now like i'll just like screw around with it so when i take it off for the night i feel like and and also like the sensation of being able to close like my middle finger and my pinky like to touch my ring finger like when i take it off it's just like oh there's like i have there's more you know it's so it's it's fun you also have a chunky boy so it's it's, it's a little noticeable (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a chunky boy but it's been it's been awesome and then lauren and i uh, uh did some cleaning up uh over the house we unpacked some gifts um we bought ourselves our first christmas tree for the house um uh, used those uh real those- or imitation imitation we're not going real the first year we're just we're just trying to serve, we're trying to coast through this christmas season but um but it's been really good i i i I honestly, it's been, a, it's been a wild ride, but it's been really good. So honeymoon, did you happen to stay at the El Dorado? No, we stayed at the Grand Palladium. Okay. There, How there was, was it? There's a restaurant called El Dorado, but, <laughs> um, but the Grand Palladium was very, very nice. Um, hey, Crouton. Is that Crouton? I don't know if he's, he's not even over here, but um <laughs> I'm looking at the cat just grooming itself in the. <laughs> yes, that is crouton. Okay, I couldn't tell. Um, it's not like a green screen. <laughs> um, but uh, it very well could be. It it really could. Um, 
I, I we stayed at Grand Palladium. We stayed there for six nights, um, and uh, it was at like I want to say like forty percent capacity. Like it was very empty, which was great for us because we weren't like we're not the like we're not the travelers that like go find like other couples and like hang out with like random people. Like we're just very much like we're gonna go to the pool. And Listen just, though, it can be a good time. <laughs> it's not a good time. And let me let me preface this by saying, uh, we weren't in the mood during our honeymoon to do that. For like, our, if we were gonna go on a trip and just like hang out, if we if I, if we were gonna go again for a week, a hundred percent, we would. If it was just me and Lauren, a hundred percent, we would like walk up to people and be like, "So you like you know you're fr- where are you from? You come here often. You come here often. <laughs> we like your vibe." So, <laughs> No, but it was very good. Um, we only did we. I took your advice, Colby, and we only did one excursion. <laughs> we did What'd one you excursion. do? We uh we went uh snorkeling in like a little bay area, and we saw a couple turtles. We saw a stingray, general schools of fish, and then um we went to uh, a cenote and and swam in a cenote so like one of those like underground yeah i've done that before it's awesome cool it was that was the coolest part um because they also had like fish in there but the water was just so clear it was like they told it it was like sweet water like if you drank it like it has like a swedish like tinge to it but it's all fresh water it's very clean um it, it was very very cool um would do again but for the most part, we stayed in the resort and did like all the nice restaurants. And like, we did like the Brazilian steakhouse. We did like the me- traditional Mexican restaurant. We did like the fancy Italian one. Um, and it was all inclusive, which was nice. Cause I could just swim up to the bar and get my drink of choice, which was always nice. Cause I always needed one. <laughs> what was your drink nice. of choice? Mojito. Listen, Good those choice. resort mojitos be hitting perfectly yeah. every time absolutely they were a hundred percent worth it awesome well we're glad to have you back i asked because uh my sister is looking to go somewhere for her 30th next year so i'm going to tag along like the little brother that i am <laughs> go on a trip too so love that <laughs> <laughs> Lawrence quietly said, I recommend. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, what I don't recommend is that football game that happened on Thursday night between the University of North Carolina and Pittsburgh. Nope. Bad vibes. Very bad vibes. I turned the game I off feel, at halftime. And... I feel lucky that most 7 p.m. games are at 4 o'clock for me, so it's while I'm still at work. And so if it starts really poorly, I can say, I'm not even doing this to myself, and I just don't even turn it on. I turn it off at half and then I just like periodically followed along and um, someone reached out and they're like, Oh wow. And I'm like, what do you mean? Wow. We're losing. And they're like, no, we've tied it up. We're going to overtime. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll catch overtime and then we still lose. So I still end up going to bed upset because I ended up watching part of the game. <laughs> so you're saying we should blame you because we were losing while you were watching and then you turned it back on and we lost again. Uh, no, I, I think we blame the, the, torrential downpour that uh, well, yes. Poseidon blame, put out on that on Hidesfield. for yeah. only making it rain when we have the ball. <laughs> I said at the end of the game, I tweeted this. You can look at my tweeted. I um on my right 
at the last fourth down where we kicked the field goal to tie it. I said the object of the game is not to tie. It is to win. We should go for it. And we went for the tie. And then we go to overtime and we lose. So I I wish that we would have gone for it. I with as aggressive Mac has been in his tenure with that sort of stuff. I wish we would have just done it. But you and know, again, and again, it's so the whole problem is that with with Longo's offense, that that short yardage red zone situation, we've just not been successful in it. So perhaps it's particularly without like um, you know strong playing play. I mean, I think Chad Chandler did it all right um, in this game. Nowhere near like what he's had like against Wake Forest or anything. Uh, but uh, you could definitely tell they weren't um, roiling it to at least try that. I mean, the other point is we went for two earlier in the game. If we had took the PAT, we would have won the game by one point. But then you go into the whole thing, What are you can't really say that because how would have our scheme changed or anything had we done the PAT or whatnot. But that, that would have technically put us up one. I am always in favor of aggression. I am 95% in favor of aggression. I'm sure there's a 5%. There's aggression, and then there's doing the exact same two-point conversion play over and over again. Right, right. The, the aggression, I guess what I mean, I, I, I agree with you, Mav. Um, I like the decision. I don't like the play call. And see, that's <laughs> the whole thing. Is stop running this stupid option and variations on this option. Teams are going to be ready for it. And that's the whole thing. I I don't think I think that we just don't have a play that they feel confident can can score mm-hmm. if they need to. Yeah, I agree. But the defense played really well. Like as much as we've been mad at Jay Bateman, and I think rightfully so this season, uh, the. Defense played uh, for for as many bad spots as they were put in early um, in the game that gave Pitt that big lead because the offense was so bad. Um, the defense played fine. Did they give up a point in the second half? See, I wouldn't know. Yeah, no, I don't <laughs> think they did. Other than I'm pretty sure they didn't. Other than the, the touchdown. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I'm pretty sure it was what twenty three to what not, but twenty three thirteen. No, we did not give up a point in the second half. Yeah. Yeah, like we were we were pretty solid on defense all night. Um but again, another trend, we put ourselves in too deep a hole to climb out of. Yeah. You go down 17 nothing. Um you're not going to you're putting yourself at points like historic comeback victories. Um I know we just did it against Wake Forest. But those are different circumstances, and you don't want to willingly put yourself in those situations. Right. So the heels lose again, uh, 23 to 30. And now we have Wofford coming up next week, um, and then State following up after that. Um, and those are the last two games going into bowl season. Luckily, I think it would take a legendary collapse to not be bowl eligible right oh yeah no i mean i i can say with pretty much 100 percent confidence we're gonna win but i I would i would not put anything past our heel football team now one thing i still think to consider sam was hurt at the end of the game that last play he went down hard and i'm curious to see if that affected it and how cautious will they be with him even though it's a senior day technically quote-unquote, because mm. he is a junior. But his last home game, 
as a Tar Heel. Um, Am I inventing that Mac Brown at some point said that Sam was on track to graduate in December? I think that he might have said that. Because he, he did enroll a semester early. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. I, I feel like that has been said. Um, and so will the mixture of Jacoby and Drake uh, get more playing time in the event that he is hurt? I mean, he's definitely playing in the – they're both playing in the bowl game, I would presume. Um, I don't think Sam Howell will touch the field in the bowl game. But maybe is that there's from, more from things that you've you've read and seen. Just wondering. No, that's just pure speculation on my part. Because okay. why would he? He, uh, um, I mean, he wants to keep his stock as high as possible and getting injured in a bowl in a, a rather meaningless bowl game. Um, I don't think it's worth it. Yeah, it's just it's more the semantics of getting him to the bowl game and getting the senior class to a bowl game that's more important than actually playing the bowl game. All righty. Well, that's Tar Heel football right now. Uh, two more games. I guess we will talk, we will preview state um, next weekend. Let's talk basketball. Basketball season is here. The HD era is undefeated up to this point. No, no, sweat. never lost. Never lost. No, never in doubt. <laughs> I think Coach has K has like better, 361 losses. Hubert Davis has zero he has losses. Better, he has a better winning percentage than Coach K. So Can't argue with the facts. But you know what? It's not about Coach Davis. That's the big point. So, Loyola, Maryland. We started out pretty good, and that kind of faded as the game went on. You aren't going to sustain that sort of energy all game. That's understandable. But I liked let's, I'll put it this way. The first 20 minutes of defense, or first 15 minutes of defense or any Loyola game, I thought was pretty great. I would agree. I would say so as well. Uh, so that I'm, I'm not going to put there's it's hard to put too much into that first game, um, but the heels did win. And then we take on Brown uh, this last Friday, which was a bit of a different story on defense. On offense, I thought we looked great to start on a positive note. No, we, we are definitely an offensive team. Once again, we have plenty of guys that can score. Um, we'll get into the nitty gritty, but we now have four players that have scored 20 plus points in the two games and all of all different players. And, and we can get into like what like happened during the game, but just like as a general positive to be able to have Brady Manick, RJ Davis, Caleb love who has really come along with his shooting so far, you know, hopefully don't jinx it. And then, um, uh, uh, Kerwin Walton to have four dudes on the court, were able to show, oh and Dawson Garcia is also a viable threat from from deep you know so like to be able to have at least semi reliable shooters on the floor at any given time makes this team just it brings this team and I think somebody said it somebody on this podcast said it but it brings this team into the 21st century it brings them into you know this modern era of basketball where you need big guys who can shoot you cannot make this work if you're if your team can't shoot mid-range to three-point shots because, you know, you're going to get that pack – that they're going to pack in that defense. And, you know, 
our guys like Armando and Caleb, who are great slashers or a post guy, are going to suffer. So now that things have been spread out, and now that things have been spread out, um, I think that has really benefited those guys. So I, I expect Armando to eat all season. And if they double Armando like they did, like Brown did, then you can kick it out to those shooters like RJ. <laughs> right. So I, I don't have any problems with the defense. We're I think it's interesting what Roy Williams stuff we're still running and what we're we're going away from. Like some of this like and we've heard this like going into the season that like the secondary break stuff is still there. Um, some of the box sets are still there, but it's a lot of five out offense, um, which is good. And I like it. And I think and it's, it's pretty efficient scoring. It's pretty efficient. Um, Adrian Atkinson, I think just tweeted out today uh, through two games there. Plus uh, specifically, I think one expect who is leaky, um, who another talking point who has started both games and that when he's on the floor, we're plus 57 with him on the court, we're minus 21 with him off the court. Yeah, I, I tried to tell y'all about Leaky. <laughs> y'all didn't, y'all, the royal y'all, didn't want to <laughs> listen. <laughs> He's yeah. an important piece of this, te- of this team, especially if, um, if Kerwin is, is still, you know, getting his legs under him on defense, especially on ball defense, which we will get to in a second then we are going to need Leaky out there to defend their best player. That's going to have to be it. What that also means is he's going to have to hit shots when he's open. Teams are already starting to sink off of him into the lane whenever he's out there, which is giving us half of a court to play offense on. So I think Leaky's defense is going to be very valuable, especially early as this team is still figuring out who they are. But we're going to need either Leaky's going to need to make shots or Kerwin's going to have to get better on defense. So he was getting cooked. He was getting Kerwin's getting cooked against Brown. I was watching. I was like, oh, taking him off the dribble. Yeah. So I guess getting into it. So it was a pretty back and forth game for a long while. And we ended up going down like six. uh, I think like seven was the largest lead they had. Um, and then we eventually come back and we win it at the very end. Uh, I mean, it sound, it, I think it at least had one of that feel like they just couldn't miss, but it wasn't jump shots really. It wasn't really three point shooting. They were making, they were, there was layups and floaters, like relatively easy shots. They um, were getting to their spot and, and putting it in. That uh, uh, Friday, right? Was it, no, what was the guy's name? Friday? I think Friday. it was Friday from Detroit. The, the, guy, the guy from Detroit, they said he was from Detroit. He had this floater thing that, like, every time he put it up, I'm like, that's in. That's like Justin Jackson, like, it's going in. Like, it's (laughs) – and then I was getting so frustrated at Dawson Garcia because every time they would dribble drive, like, I understand that you need to play help defense, but he was going so far off his man that they were just passing out of the the help defense into an open layup in the middle of the lane, like, consistently. I was so pissed. So let's let's talk about that because I I, t- I said that I would talk about this on on Twitter, on the podcast. So let let's get into it. This defense that we are running now, it is simpler than the defense that we had run in, in past years, where it was hedging, right? It's the like, well, there, it was the hedging on ball screens, which we don't really do anymore. And then it's also like the hard help um, off the ball. 
it's not like a fully like no help defense like we aren't texas tech we aren't doing like the chris beard defense but it's it's closer to like the the chris beard no middle defense that they're running very very well at texas tech and in order to run that defense which i think is a fine scheme i mean we've seen in like the past what three four years that texas tech has been like a good basketball team especially on the defensive end but you need to be intense on defense and i don't want to be like the the gur tough guy guy but like this is the type type of defense where and rj has said this in an in a in post game on friday it's one that you have to take pride and your guy is not getting past you. Like you are just going to you are going to be the guy that stops the guy in front of you. And it's just gotta be that. What I'm concerned about is again, it's November. I do not overreact to November basketball, but we do have some tough games coming up, um, and games that might matter going you know, deeper into the season when we're looking at Q1 wins and losses, Q1, Q2 wins and losses, where if it's close at the end of the game and the other team has a shot to win it, all I would do as a coach is clear out, ISO your best player at the top of the key and tell him to get to his spot. And I do not know if we can defend that right now. Yeah. And again, it's we're two games into this season. So very well, it, it very well we could get to a point where where we're good on the ball, but I'm very concerned about games ending that way. Yeah. Again, this was very much a game we would I think we would have lost in previous years. Um because there it's definitely was some positive about it. Uh, I think it was I think that's all the stat it was two only two turnovers from RJ and Caleb in the in the final sequence. Or, or I think it might even be the whole game, which that's fantastic. And I think it was only seven total for the game, which is one of the lowest ever in the Smith Center. Um, and then, of course, it was the R.J. Davis game, 26 points, six of nine from three-point land. I mean – Five assists, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you can't ask for better. And especially down the stretch, it timely and clutch buckets. Um, so there's been a lot of development, I think, from both Caleb and R.J., uh, from a leadership standpoint and from uh, a ball security standpoint. That was a, a big point of contention last year was ball security. I remember that so vividly. Just we were so frustrated at these dudes for turning the ball over like every Also, person. I don't know if it is necessarily the defensive scheme. We're not fouling as much in either nope. game. Like it, last year's team could not stop fouling. Um, it was a problem. I, yeah, like and I, we were in crunch time yet uh, on Friday and only had three fouls, like with five minutes to go. And I'm like, I was expecting this to be like six, seven. Why not going to the one and ones? Um, so we had plenty of fouls to give and whatnot. I just like the versatility of this team. Brady Manic, sorry, Brady Manic has been what you uh, cooking over there? Uh, gyoza and pizza because we're being lazy. <laughs> And a, it's and a, lunchtime. It's fine to be lazy at lunchtime. <laughs> is this gonna is this gonna be a recurring joke for as long as you're living on the West Coast? Until all y'all move out here, or until you move back, sir. Uh, that ain't happening for me. <laughs> Not with that attitude. Exactly. I think the farther anyway, the south, the farthest west I go, conversation. <laughs> Why Texas? I'm, I'm just saying geographically. I'm not saying exactly Texas, but that's probably the farthest I'd ever go out. 
I'd move out there if I had the right opportunity. Would you go to San Francisco? I guess. We'll take I guess. <laughs> Sounds like soon enough three of the four of four of the four of us will be a West Coast pod. Listen, we all need to move to Central Time, aka God's Time. I don't know. I like Pacific Time so far. I like Central Time because it's like it's like Eastern Time, but I can go to bed earlier, you know? Well, that's what I like about being out here is all my East Coast friends are in bed by like nine, ten o'clock my time, and that means that it's so much easier for me to go to bed at a reasonable hour. Nothing's happening on Twitter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all the good exactly. content is sleep. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to get earthquake discord messages from aaron that's gonna be fun <laughs> no without getting back on track you i think we were talking about brady manic who like I said has definitely showed out for the first two games it has been ad- advertised and so i think that's definitely been a good thing the front court looks solid i mean dawson had that stretch he put like three straight bracket baskets up so granted there were some struggles defensively but he definitely had was able to execute offensively in those key moments my dad has started calling uh, Brady Manic a black hole of basketball. Where if, <laughs> if he gets the ball, the ball's going up. <laughs> Which I don't, I don't mind it. if I he's going into the basket or if he's going to the line. Yeah. If that happens, sure, whatever. Put up as many shots as you want. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah, things just have to get the dribble drive penetration has to get cleaned up because. You don't. It's it's one thing for a team to shoot the lights out, but another thing just to get layups all game. Um, so I imagine that probably drove Hubert up the wall because they have this off night kind of mentality, and you know, taking it. You should take it very personally if your guy scores on you. I will say, like when I was watching, I watched the game from from tip to to final buzzer, and those dudes were making like those guys on Brown were making some really freaking tough shots. Like they were, it, it wasn't like everything was open. Like if it, it felt like every time, but like every time they put up a shot, especially in that first half, that first half was abysmal. Like that dude was fading away behind the backboard and he still hit the, his freaking shot. Whoever that white boy was on Brown. I was like, whatever, man. I mean, woke chick and whose, yeah. whose dad was an assistant coach at Carolina. Yeah. So they're saying like, he was going to take it personal uh, because he has the family ties. Yeah. So, you know, I'm happy to come out with a win. I, I think it's a, I think it was, it might've been Armando or Caleb that said that we learned a lot from playing Brown. And I think that they're going to take that into their next couple practices. And will it, will the defense get fixed in one, you know, set of practices? Probably not, but uh, I'm also watching Colby, but <laughs> And again, Armando dominated. I think he only had one missed shot the entire game. Um, there's sometimes I was like, just give him the ball. He needs at least a touch every possession. Yeah. Um, like Armando needs a touch. Like running the offense through Armando because he is a decent to good passer is going to be key. Because as soon as they start doubling Armando, which because Armando is going to outmuscle a lot of people. So eventually they're going to end up doubling. And I will give him a silver post playmaker badge. Yes. <laughs> but then, like I said, like we had that key moment. He, you, they double team him. You use ball movement. You get the ball outside of the shooters, and they just need to make it. Yep. 
And last night they were, I mean, they were hitting. I mean, Brady Manick didn't have a great night shooting from outside. Dawson Garcia didn't. I don't even did. Did Dawson take a shot from outside? I feel like he took one early on, and that was it. I think he took two. I mean, they they both were ended up not, the same way. Not great. Yeah. Great. So, you know, like wasn't the best night shooting from outside the arc, except for Caleb, who hit a couple big shots, and RJ, who hit a lot of big shots. <laughs> you know, especially down the stretch, that man was automatic. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I don't care if it's Brown or if it's Duke. It's hard to withstand a team shooting 60%. And so if you can respond, that's definitely a positive. Yep. yep. All right. So Carolina is taking on College of Charleston in Charleston on Tuesday. They have Purdue at four. Yeah. Um, at Mohican Sun, question mark? Yes. Um, on Saturday, again, that's at four o'clock. Carolina plays Wofford at 12 o'clock. That game could oh, be rough. By the way, Mav, as of right now, the game the plan is to watch the game in Jackson Deck at the tailgate spot, the Purdue game after the Wofford game. That's the I'm plan down. for now. I'm down. Um you're in that group chat. I remember that you probably saw that now. Um, I haven't so really that, been followed. I've I heard it came up, but I didn't know if it has been ironed out. So I mean awesome. I'm bringing my TV. So yeah. um David, where were you when you heard the news? I was in my house. I was in my house. I was like, looking, looking. Like I saw the like, hey, this is like rumblings of this. He's, you know, he's like in Charlotte. And then I saw you. I was like, not particular. I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, if you know, if he's here. But then you tweeted. You were like, this would not get reported if if things were not serious. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> I'm getting excited now. Uh, and then, you know, like an hour later, 30, 45 minutes later, um, the news broke and I actually stood up looking at my phone. I was like, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I was at work. I was, there was a little bit of downtime. I was scrolling through my phone. I saw that probably that same tweet. I think it was from Sheena Marie, uh, from Carolina Blitz. And I was like, huh? That's interesting. And then I saw Joe Person tweet something similar. And I was like, okay, two reports. That means that it's legit. I watched the newsroom. Uh, <laughs> you have two sources. That means that it's real. Um, and then I, like, reports kept coming in that, like, talks were happening, talks were happening. And it, like you said, I was looking at it. I was like, this wouldn't come out unless it was close. And then you know 12 o'clock hits and i'm like this wouldn't like stuff they start saying this isn't new like they have been talking for a couple weeks now and i was like okay that's when i tweeted this wouldn't have come out if it wasn't close um then i i think i had like a quick meeting and i was on my way to chipotle um i was listening (laughs) to 99.9 the fan and adam gold I, I just, or that was the last station I was listening to, apparently. And as soon as I get in my car, I turn the radio on, and it's like, it's official. Cam Newton is back in Carolina. And I screamed, let's go, as I was driving to Chipotle uh, <laughs> in my car. Um, and so far, so as we're recording, it is 539 on Sunday. Um, Cam's first two snaps were touchdowns. 
<laughs> and I was floating through my apartment. I was so happy. I saw. I think the lesson to take from this whole thing, because it happened while Colby was on the way to Chipotle, good things happen when you go to Chipotle because it is superior to Moe's. No. <laughs> I saw the. I saw the uh, on the first touchdown. Uh, the he put the chin. He he put the, the the straps down, and I was like, "Oh, is he gonna take his helmet off?" Took his helmet off and was like. I'm back, and I was like, goosebumps. <laughs> that unsportsmanlike's worth it. Oh, so worth it. I um, like in the history of Panthers, uh, uh, franchise history. I should, if I would have like been in in that moment, I probably would have gotten a little choked up. I felt a little emotional when he, when he scored that first touchdown. I was I, I was talking to my friends who my internet friends who don't live here and it's Cam Newton means more than football here. Like nationally the bigger story was Odell going to the Rams, but like and I'm watching the the recap of Cam screaming I'm back right now and it's just it means more than football here. It really does. Like Cam is the Panthers for the past 12 years or 11 years, even after he's left the team, he is the Panthers. So I, like I said, we could lose every game for the rest of the year. I don't care. I'm just happy he's back. And I'm, I was telling Carla earlier, I haven't had fun watching a Panthers game (laughs) since he left. Today's game has been fun. I mean, yes, we're up 23, nothing right now, but I'm, I'm happy. I missed being happy because of football. <laughs> and then the Grinch's heart grew three sizes. Back. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in a good mood right now. I am as well. I am not in a good mood with football, <laughs> but I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I tried to tell again the royal y'all about um about Mac Jones. He's in a good situation. It's a good place to land as a quarterback. We stunk today. That's all that that's it. That's the tweet. <laughs> Meanwhile, bad. I thought Tennessee was just gonna begin the crumble without Derrick Henry. And then we go and beat the Rams in SoFi last sat- Sunday. And then we went in a dog fight against the Saints today. Um, so now we're the only, we're the first eight win team in the league um, with the easiest remaining schedule with a two game lead on the first seed in the AFC, which might actually end up coming to play because if Derek Henry can come back, that buy is going to be crucial just to give him another week to get ready. So um, I'm just pleasantly surprised. I feel like every game the rest of the season is just playing house money. So I feel like we've shored up all but short of the AFC South. So we're going to make the playoffs in some fashion. Um, it's just, can Derrick Henry get back in time? Is anyone in the AFC good? The Browns are when they're good. They're just... Tennessee's the good time, when they good. have Derrick Henry. All I'm going to say is that any bad throws that Baker made today, it's because Odell ran the wrong route. <laughs> is that... Uh, it, you're more plugged into that than I am. Is there any validity to that? That 
Odell was running whatever he wanted to run out there? Well, it's not necessarily that he was running whatever he wanted to run as much as it is that the offense, both the scheme and Baker, are very based on timing. And so if you improvise at all, it's going to throw off the timing. And so, yes, Odell was open in space, but those weren't the reads that Baker was supposed to be making. So what you're saying is Odell in the Cardinals offense running the air raid would be perfect. I'm saying I am not an offensive coordinator, and I think the Browns are better off without Odell. That's so... Mm -hmm. Baker plays better without him. Which I think says a lot about Baker. I I, I feel because Baker. I mean, um, Odell is peak. Odell is a top five receiver in this league. Well, yeah, but and and, and if you if he... you as a quarterback get worse by having a top five receiver on your team, that makes me ask a couple questions. I still think that Baker is a fine quarterback. I think he's a decent quarterback. He's a franchise quarterback who should get paid at the end of his at the end of his deal his rookie deal, and also, I have a couple questions. But when's the last time that we saw Odell be as good of a, as a top five receiver? Before he tore his ACL. You think? I think we had the, the Cowboys game last year, yes, he was a top five receiver for one game. Okay. Now, oh, other than you're... that game, I don't think that we've seen it since – his second last season in New York, right? That was the season before he got hurt. Uh, sure. Okay. Uh, I, I will also take that. But I also think that, I mean, Odell is just, he's special. He's still a special player. So I don't know. I wonder, do you have any readings on how Jarvis Landry feels about all of this? I don't think he's said anything. Um, yeah. And so I don't want to extrapolate for him because I have no idea how his mind works and what he's thinking. Fair enough. All right, so what else do we got? And that covers most of the bases, at least for now. Um, uh, some sad news. I mean, field hockey and women's soccer both, both got knocked out in the first round of their tournaments, which is yeah. absolutely unheard of. Fire Roy. Times two. Um, did any of y'all watch Survivor this week? No, I did. I just keep falling behind. Yeah. I'd be bad about Y'all's it. I'm, I'm watching Succession right now on HBO. Uh, speaking of Succession, uh, Chaos on the Set, a podcast, a podcast about Succession this week, if you want to check it out. Um, but what were you saying, Aaron? I was saying that Tribal... I, I I still don't know what happened. That tribal made me mad at one person in specific, and I put it in the Discord. Let me look. It has a spoiler tag on it, so. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've been saying that for weeks. Yeah. Yeah, homie needs to chill. Yeah. They They can't have everything their way all the time. Well, that's what they don't realize, and that's why they're not winning. Yeah. Yep. No, no, they're not going to win. No way. Yeah. Which I makes also, me feel vindicated because I was saying that for weeks, and people were like, no, they're winning. 
No, no. I I I once um cuz they showed flashes uh-huh. early in the season of that and I was like they're going to play way too hard and they're going to put themselves into some bad situations. Yeah. Um I also think that the I think it's interesting that the pseudo cookout, I mean, this isn't, a, I don't think this is a spoiler, Mav. The pseudo cookout that formed in Survivor isn't as strong as the actual cookout that was in Big Brother because of, I think, the history of Survivor. I think that it's easier for something like that sort of alliance to crumble, disintegrate, break apart in Survivor than it is in Big Brother because. Survivor has had black winners before. This and I also a- think it's just by the nature of how the game works. Yeah. Because they don't feel take- beholden to this sort of alliance as other people would. Yeah, I agree. Which I like. I I, I prefer that. That's why I love the challenge so much. Mm-hmm. Oh, Crouton. What a what a kit. He was meowing at a bird out the window, and so I wanted to grab him because he seemed agitated. Aww. Anyway, anything else, Crouton? Do you have anything else to say? Here, speak. Speak, buddy. <laughs> not, on, not on my face. Into the microphone. <laughs> All righty. Hey, y'all. Colby here. It is Thursday. We recorded that last part on Sunday. And I haven't had time to edit until now. So, like I said, Thursday night. Figured I should talk a little bit about College of Charleston, the game we had on Tuesday. I uh, asked if anyone wanted to jump on uh, in about 15, 20 minutes. Short notice, I understand. Uh, People are busy and don't want their nights taken up by me. So, here we are. The Coors Light is flowing. Let's do it. So, College of Charleston, we win. Oh, I should definitely have the score pulled up before I start talking. We win 94 to 83. It felt exactly like the first two games. I'm looking at the Kimpom win probability uh, because, yes, I do have a Kimpom subscription. And according to them, they did not think that we were going to lose this game at any point. Neither did I, really. It feels like when we have these games, it's sort of whenever the more talented team eventually takes the lead, then that's kind of what they they aren't really going to give it up. It might waffle back and forth for a little bit, but it's not really going to be a problem. What is a problem? And we talked about this is the defense defense is still an issue. This wasn't like Brown where they were just hitting great shots. Oh, let me take that back. They were pulling up from wherever they wanted in the first half. Second half, not so much. I don't know. It's going to be a challenge going into Purdue. Right now in Kempom, and I think this early in the season, Kempom still factors in expectations a lot. They don't go solely off of um, efficiency margin. Uh, that'll normalize itself as the season goes on. But it still should be said that our adjusted efficiency on offense is 17th in the country at 110 points per possession, defense 90 
or 110 points per 100 points. Defense, 96 points per 100 points. That's good for 17th in the country on offense and 107th on defense. Just for, you know, the sake of comparison, if you look at the ranked, um, the rankings for adjusted offense in Kempom, we are the only school in the top, what's that, at least a top 26 or 27 that has a top 25 offense and a defense that's in the hundreds. Uh, the next closest one is South Dakota State, who's 27th in adjusted offense and 161st in adjusted defense. It's a problem. It's going to be a problem. Purdue right now, they're the number two adjusted offense in the country. Number 18, adjusted defense. We aren't going to be able to score at will like we have been the past three games. I'm glad that we got these first three games and we were able to get a little bit more confidence going into this one. But it's going to be a challenge that we haven't really been able to fit. We haven't really faced up to this point. Like I said earlier, I don't really panic over November basketball like I'm Glad that we're winning these games in the Heels House Clubhouse. Um, I don't sure space. <laughs> I feel like that's copyright infringement. Whatever. Uh, but Josh Graham uh said the main thing about this time of season is avoiding bad losses, and that's exactly what we're doing so far. None of these are going to be Q3, Q4 losses, and I'm not. I'm not saying that a loss at College Charleston would be a bad loss. I saw what Jay Bill is talking about that earlier. Not a lot of schools do what Carolina does and goes out and schedules those away games. So it's good that we are getting into hostile environments this early. But man, am I concerned about Saturday. Again, it's not the end of the world if we don't pick up this win. Purdue's a very good team. Uh, and they are scoring at a really really high clip their three-point percentage i mean it's high they're shooting 41.7 percent um for the year but like compared to the rest of the rest of the country that make that's good for 36 their two-point percentage is 18th in the country 18th now again they aren't playing a murderer's row either I think they're playing like this is really splitting hairs here. I mean, but they're the, the teams that they have been playing are not are a little bit better than the quality that Carolina plays. But like, are we really are we really parsing between the 186th best team and the 231st best team? I feel like those are all along the same meh scale, you know, but heading into Purdue. It's going to be a tough one. And then after that, we are at home against UNC Asheville. Then we have the ACC Big Ten Challenge against Michigan on December 1st. That one's at home, thankfully. But that's against the number three team in Kempom. Uh, and I'm, I'm referencing Kempom not only because I paid to have this description, so I need to get my use out of it, but also because like the AP poll is... Definitely useful later into the season, but pole inertia from preseason is very much a thing this early. It's not that usable until we get to, like, the bulk of conference play. Speaking of which, uh, Sunday, December 5th, first conference game against Georgia Tech on the road. So, Carolina, 
3-0. and First three games in the Hubert Davis era, we definitely still, still, still need to focus on defense. It's going to be a problem, but I would rather have the problem of not being able to defend than not being able to score. It, it takes an offseason to fix shooting. You can fix defense in the middle of a season. So that's what I have for you. Um, enjoy your Thursday nights if you're listening to this at 10 o'clock on a Thursday night. Um, Friday, Saturday, if you're listening to this before Carolina plays football against Wofford. Yeah. If you see me there, say hi. And we'll talk to you later.